Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, September 20th. This is episode number 165. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Things are going good, Rod. We're, we're struggling along, trying to get past Sunday and looking forward to Thursday. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough loss, which we'll uh, no doubt get into uh, pretty deeply here uh, shortly. But, um, but yeah, right. we're looking ahead to better things. So um, we're going to bring in our guest uh, tonight. That is uh, Tim Iskra. You, follow, you can find him on Twitter at Big Isk, I-S-K. Uh, Tim, how are you tonight? I'm as good as I can be, Rod. Thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely. It's it's a pleasure to talk to you. So, um, so yeah, Tim, uh, Tim and I talk a little bit on Twitter and stuff, and it's it's always fun to have somebody come on the pod that you, uh, you know, that you've talked to, but never actually talked to in person. So, so I appreciate the chance to just kind of kick some stuff around and, and hear a little bit more about your story tonight. Great. Looking forward to chatting with you. Uh, certainly, Twitter is kind of a neat place like that where you feel like you you're almost good friends with somebody that you've never met yeah it's just kind of cool that way definitely so so tim the the first thing we're going to do is just uh, turn it over to you and let you talk about your browns fandom um, everybody's kind of got their own story um so i'm gonna just just let you kick it off and talk about anything that you want to share as far as how you became a Browns fan or um, stories, favorite players, and anything that you want to share with the listeners. Sure. Um, Like many of us, uh, the Browns are in my blood. My dad was a Browns fan. I'm a Browns fan. I've passed it on to my kids and uh, there's no turning back. Regardless of losses like this past Sunday, I'm going to be right in front of the TV this Thursday and uh, just like the rest of us. So We'll keep rooting. Um, you know, when I was younger, my first jersey was Clarence Scott, good old number 22. That's I have a picture of when I was like about five years old, and I remember that. And uh, so I've been I go way back with the Browns. Obviously, I uh, remember Sype and the Cardiac Kids of the early 80s, and then uh, Bernie, my man Bernie. You know, that was right when I was finishing up high school. My first game in Cleveland was the drive. I, I was there that day. And uh, that was probably the longest three-hour drive home ever. <laughs> to be so close, we were, you know, we yeah. a couple minutes away. I dare say we were making Super Bowl plans. And then to watch Elway come down the field, and I could still see it in my head. <laughs> and, um, you know, this, this past Sunday had a similar feel. I got to be honest, uh, I'm bouncing around a little bit here, but when when Chubb scored, and we all know, the controversy in the last couple of days about all that. I got to be honest with you. I thought that game was over. I was cheering. I wanted us to pound it in at that moment. I really wasn't thinking about downing it. Clearly I've read the stuff in the papers and in the news since then. And if he had done that right after he got the first down, we could have just ran off the clock. So clearly in hindsight, that probably would have been a better choice, but man, at that time, a, a two touchdown lead, almost two touchdown lead, with a minute and a half left, right? 99.9% was the win probability. I think we were all were we all were feeling two and zero, oh, and unfortunately, nobody probably should have said anything <laughs> until we got the game done. So I kind of feel like this past weekend it felt a lot like the drive, mostly because I was in attendance and just watched it. But I I was looking at my son after the game and saying I was there for the drive, and now we were there for the collapse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the collapse. <laughs> it, it was a rough one, and we we are going to address the the Nick Chubb. Um, we'll just call it the Nick Chubb touchdown. So, so um, yeah, we'll get into that um, definitely. So, hey guys, there this this Jets game. I mean, I feel like there's there's like two parts to it. You know, there's there's the first, um, you know, you know the first fifty eight minutes. Um, where we can look at stats and we can look at how guys did and everything. And then there's those last two minutes and we can look at all the different various little issues that came up. Um, and, you know, it's like two different things. It's like the, obviously the good and the, and the horrendous. 
So, so let me let me go to Jeff. Jeff, how do you? I mean, how how do you reconcile this? How do you come away from a game like this when when you know it's not like the Browns played perfectly for the first fifty eight minutes, but they played pretty well, um, and then everything falls apart in the last two minutes. Yeah, I thought I thought you know at any point in the game you could you could pick and choose things that that sort of led up to this. Um, but overall, I thought they played well enough to win for 58 minutes. And, you know, that's what you want out of this team right now. You know, keep us in the game, right? And and we were obviously really in the game. But, but when it comes to those last two minutes, I think it's, it's just the NFL. That's That's how this league is structured. That's the kind of excitement that they want. They want it to feel like a te- team is never out of contention. A team is never out of the game, right? Um, even the announcers are saying, well, can they get back in this? Oh, they're, they're now, now we've got a ball game, right? Um, we hear that week in and week out, and, and I think it's just part of how the NFL operates. That, that um, You always have a chance to come back, and, and mm-hmm. I've seen this before. It's not like the first time in my life I ever saw a team score two touchdowns in, in two minutes. Seen it many times over the course of history. And um, remember the Vikings doing it to us many years ago. I think they did it with, in less than a minute. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, I guess it, it, it it's disappointing, um, but it's just sort of the nature of the beast. It's going to happen. We've, we've said there's going to be games that you're supposed to win that you lose, and there's games that you're supposed to lose that you win. And it's just one of those games you got put in that first column. Yeah, so so Tim, do you feel like the Browns are going to have they're going to have one of these games coming back to them later in the season? Not necessarily that they'll that they'll take a game in the last two minutes, but they'll probably win a game that they're not supposed to win down the road and kind of even things out. I mean, similar to what Jeff said, I think just the the law of averages and the way the NFL works, it's very likely that that'll happen. Um, but Let's let's face it. Over our history, it seems like the ball has bounced against us a lot more than it's bounced for us. So I've certainly learned over the years to, for lack of a better word, never to get too cocky when it comes to <laughs> feeling about this. We we've all seen this team these last couple of years with the the high draft picks that we've had, the potential All Pros on the team. We I think we all feel we should have performed a little better. So yeah, I'd like to see something come back to us, but. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I guess let, let's take a look at the at the beginning of the game first, because um, you know j- just some of the stats the guys had. Um, I kind of like to look at some of the positives in this game, and I guess my question to you guys is, is how do you still take these positives out of this game, even though it was a so, you know, such a, um, you know, where, where the rug was just pulled out from everybody's feet at the end. Do you still take the positives of Jacoby Brissett playing well, you know, up, up until that interception and Nick Chubb running the ball extremely well and scoring three touchdowns and Amari Cooper, you know, going um, for, for 100 yards in the touchdown. Can you still feel good about those things even in this game? Yeah, I think so. I was very impressed with Jacoby. He um, he was threading the ball in there, and it was nice to see him get to Amari. It, it kind of felt like we had a number one receiver for a while. Again, mm-hmm. that, was, that was nice to see. Uh, I was impressed with the offense. I thought they moved well, and I agree. Similar to what you said earlier, in the first half, the defense, while they had a couple holes, it, it didn't look that bad. Um, and then by the end of the game, like we said, we out, we should have had the game. We were there. It looked like we it looked like we had finished it off, and I felt good about it until the touchdown just before the onside kick. When I watched that receiver run right by Denzel, that made me nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Jeff, let's let's get your thoughts on Jacoby Brissett and his and his play. Whether whether you want to include the interception or not, that's up to you. But um, you know, just his play yeah. and, and and what you saw. I'm I'm going to just throw the interception out because I mean it was just the the whole karma at that point kind of I think just led to that um, 
as far as the offense for the first 58 minutes, I thought it was really sound. And I think this is the offense that, that we expected to see, at least early on in the season. Um, you know, high usage of the tight ends, high usage of the backs receiving. Um, you know, Amari Cooper doing what he's capable of doing. I think that, you know, that connection um, is something to look forward to um, between he and, and Brissett. Um, so, you know, what, what nine or wait a minute, seven, eight different receivers, seven different receivers uh, caught balls. Um, so they spread it around. Um, the offense was efficient. It was fairly low risk. Um, but I thought those first two drives in particular in the first half were extremely well executed. Um, you know, that that first drive took forever. You know, they, they talk about a ball control offense, you know, and, and, you know, I was hearing all week long about how the Browns weren't going to be able to run on the Jets defense. Um, you know, by the second half, we were we were running at will. Jets couldn't do anything to stop us. So those are I think, yeah, yeah those are definitely some positives to take away from the offense. Um, you know, there are still some glitches here and there, you know, that 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 I think we can still clean up and be even more efficient. But but let's face it, we've talked about, you know, let, we want to have a, a an offense that scores 30 points, right? And, well, guess what? They scored 30 points. That That's our goal, right? We're, right. we're, we're already ahead of the game uh, from an offensive production standpoint and only week two. Yeah, I mean, the Browns rest for almost 200 yards. I mean, if, if you – I mean, um, if you – Put in what uh, Jacoby Brissett did. Um, six rushes for 43 yards out of Jacoby Brissett, um, along mm-hmm. with uh, 22 of 27 for 229 yards and, and a touchdown in that pick. But uh, the the six rushes for 43 yards, um, Tim, did that did that surprise you? Because it sure surprised me. Oh, yeah, it absolutely surprised me, but I was impressed. He took advantage of those couple situations where he got those big runs, and that was great to see. I think we've we've kind of all heard that Jacoby's a smart guy. We know that he protects the ball, and it was nice to see him have to make those split-second decisions, and, and, and he did. So, yeah, I was impressed. It was something I wasn't expected, a little added bonus, that he could actually run and grab that. Yeah, he... he uh... I mean, he does. He's not the fastest guy, but he he made some nice moves um, to get some extra yards and stuff. So yeah, I, I thought he moved very well and uh, did a great job. Um, I'm just going to throw back. another thing, Rod. Go ahead. We we did we did see another fourth and short converted. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, as long as I can keep doing that, that's great. Um, Jeff, what I want to ask you is, you know, Amari Cooper. It had the big game, um, nine catches for huh? for 101 yards and touchdown. Um, DPJ didn't have a catch in this game. You know, after <laughs> after having what um, six catches, I can't remember what 60 yards or something like that in the first game. Um, right. it, what what do you think? Um, do you think that? Uh, I guess let me just ask you what you expect in the in the coming games, between you know out of Brissett between Cooper and DPJ? Um, I think we're probably going to see them feature one receiver like this each week. Um, and really, like I mentioned earlier, take advantage of connections with the tight ends and the backs. Um, that's really what this offense is centered. Um, I think the bigger surprise is that David Bell in two games only has one reception for six yards. <laughs> really kind of expected yeah. to see them utilize him more. Um, but you know, again, we're, this, this offense is going to evolve this season. And right now it's, it's very plodding. It's very methodical. Um, and it's very low risk and, you know, Amari Cooper did, did his job this week. Uh, DPJ did his job last week when the ball's thrown to you, catch it, um, and be reliable, be dependable, get open, you know, all those things. Right. But, um, I don't think we're going to be an offense that features our wide receivers anytime soon. I hope we get there by the end of this season, but I don't think, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, Tim, Tim, I have to get your opinion on this because to me, Amari Cooper looked like he was open from here to there constantly. 
So I um, go go ahead. Yeah, I I thought he was open all game, and I thought Jacoby did a pretty good job of targeting him. He looked like he used him, like frankly, like I've been hoping for. That's why I just alluded a little minute ago, like it felt like a number one because that's how he looked, and it was great to to see that. We we need that superstar. I think Jeff, you were just alluding to it that we're still a more run centric team, which obviously, if it's working, I agree with as much as anybody else. Um, but what? it's nice to if we got to make the defense think a little bit that they got to maybe double team, you know, put an extra guy, then maybe DPJ will be open next week. Cause I agree with yeah. you there. He wasn't much. And especially about David Bell, like you just mentioned, I really thought we were going to see a little more of him too, but I, I was very happily impressed with Amari this past weekend. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, Jeff. I don't think they're going to feature the wide receivers. I just, um, if, if Amari Cooper's that wide open, um, He's going to go to him. So mm-hmm. uh, very good to see. And um, question for you guys, because uh, I think it was I think it was Jeremy and Akron on Twitter put out a tweet saying that uh, Amari Cooper is better than um, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. He said that after the game. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? I know it's it's I'm going to say it's one game because we really didn't see anything in the first game other than him getting open. OK, um, it, but it, what, what are your thoughts? Because um, I'll go to you first, Jeff. I think it's a little. Premature and, and unfair to make that statement at this point. Um, I think what you're seeing is a quarterback who. Um, has the ability to get the ball where it's supposed to be, which we really didn't have all last year. And you can, for whatever reason, I'm not going to revisit all that, okay? But Jacoby puts the ball where it's supposed to be, um, and and the receivers take advantage of that. So um, from a skill standpoint, from ability to get an open standpoint, I, I, I'm going to reserve judgment on that right now, okay? But the connection is definitely there. Um, and... You know, you've got you got a quarterback and and several receivers who are getting the ball when they expect it, and for the most part, doing their jobs. Yeah, that matters. Yeah. And any thoughts on that, Tim? Um, I can see where the statement comes from. I never looked at Jarvis as a number one. I really like the guy. I think he was a very integral part of our team and what we were trying to do the last few years. But I. He had his his spot, and he definitely was a leader on the team, but I never thought of him as a number one receiver. OBJ, I, I, I certainly think historically OBJ is a number one guy, um, but it didn't, with the exception of a few plays over the last couple of years, it didn't feel like he was a number one. And, yeah. and, and I like Amari's temperament, how he doesn't talk a lot of smack, and he seems to just go about his business, and it, it's very nit. Nick Chubb like so I yeah. I can see where the statement comes from yeah I it, to me it just seems like Amari Cooper is very professional and I think he's going to be very consistent and I think that's regardless of how you interpret that and compare it to to um other guys I, I think it's a good very good thing for the Browns so I'll, I'll leave it at that so um one guy who uh who I thought had a really nice game who um kind of got lost in the shuffle is was our uh, was our punter um yeah yeah and as many times as I hear his name I still can't say it Bjorkes Bjorkes yeah Bjorkes Bjorkes um uh three punts um he averaged 52 but I mean two of them are two of them inside the 20 but they those two were inside the 10 were they not or right around the 10 or inside so yeah, I mean, he, he he was he was excellent. Um, so I think uh, you know I think we should be happy there. Uh, right. Um, uh, Connie and Garrett each got one sack. Um, I got to tell you guys, I was I was a little disappointed in the pressure <laughs> mm-hmm. that the Browns uh, did not put on Joe Flacco. Yeah. Um, Joe Flacco's numbers for the game. Um, just the fact that he only got sacked twice and did not throw an interception against the Browns when he threw the ball 44 times. Um, that's, that's not cool. It's Joe Flacco. Okay. Right. And I know the guy's a veteran. 
he's been around, but it's still Joe Flacco. It's not give him enough time, he's gonna hurt you. Yes, it's not Joe Montana out there. So yeah, you got it. I just thought they they didn't get enough pressure on him. So um, that that was frustrating. So um, do you guys have other thoughts on the first 58 minutes before we delve into the last two minutes of the game? I'm just going to real quick jump back to the offense. Um, We talked a little bit last week about, you know, the, the need for the backs and the tight ends to really elevate their game. And I think we've talked about this for a while. Um, you know, the, the sort of the key players on offense were going to be Kareem Hunt and David Njoku. Um, Kareem, I thought, delivered. Um, I'm still waiting for David Njoku to play like a number one tight end. Um, it's funny because at this point last year, people were just ripping the crap out of Austin Hooper. Um, and all we're really paying David Njoku right now to do is block. Um, yep. He had... He had a potential touchdown catch that he couldn't get his feet down in, uh, in, in bounce on. Um, he had a uh, drop on a critical play, and he had a false start. It was the, both it was both drive killers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 looking for him to play like a number one tight end who's earning the salary that he's paying being paid, and it ain't happening yet. So he still needs to step it up. I agree with you. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to disagree. I was actually thinking the same thing. That drop was really sticking out to me that he had, and and uh, I, I also would like to see more from David. And I think he's capable of more, but we're all just waiting, waiting for that yep. breakout game, and it just hasn't happened yet. And uh, yep. I, I I agree with you, Jeff. I, I really like the way Kareem played. I know he gets a little he gets a little excited. Maybe should try to get <laughs> towards the end, but instead of hurdling people. Yeah, trying to jump over six foot guys. <laughs> right. If it was Shaquille O'Neal standing down there, I think he'd still try to jump right over him. I and think so. He's a lot of fun to watch. He really is, and he's a pretty darn good player. I, I really yeah. like. We've seen more more than we have the last couple of years. We've seen Chubb and Hunt in the backfield at the same time, and I would like to continue seeing more of that. I think it just makes it really tough on the defense. Yep. We did not see that as much Sunday as we did in the first game. I, I, yeah, you're right. And obviously, I don't have a problem with it because, um, well, for um, I don't have a problem with it because they still scored 30 points. But, right. um, you know, I, I liked the way they did it in the first game. And it seemed like, um, you know, it still worked out. The guys weren't tired or anything. You know, they, they still got their carries and everything. Um, so I, I hope they'll go back to doing that a little bit more often. I just think it, I just... I just don't see why it doesn't make things easier on the offense when you're making the defense question things that much more. Right. Yeah. You know, at this point, I mean, we can nitpick. Again, the touchdowns. And if this offense can score four touchdowns, I like our chances of winning. Yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, Not much complaining to do about the offense. Um, Right. Until until you get to the last two minutes and then – then you can point a finger at almost everybody on the entire team um, for one reason or another, it seems like. So, so let's go back through this as best, best as my memory will, will uh, uh, recall everything. And you guys help me out if I'm off here. But um, the, Browns, uh, the Browns are driving down, and they've got – I don't know how much time was on the clock when they, when they got the ball when they were driving down there um, to score that last touchdown. Um, um, I'm, so I'm not sure how much time they took off the clock on that drive. I feel like it started somewhere around 2.30, 2.35, somewhere. 230, okay. it, it was a really short drive. So they yeah, only was, took like 30 seconds drive. off the clock. Okay. Yeah, because the Jets yes. their out, right? Yeah, so... Yep. So... You've got two mindsets, and I mean, and I'm thinking the same thing. I'm watching the timeouts, and I'm thinking. I think I said at one point, I said because you know I was I was um, watching the game with Ethan, and I'm like, man, if they get one more first down, you know, it, it's over, it's over. So, and then, um, but then I'm watching, and uh, I, I don't I don't know what started bothering me first, but 
you know, Kareem ran out of bounds twice. Okay, if mm-hmm. he if he stays in for both of those plays, how much time that takes off the clock? Right. Um, that pretty much ends right. the game. Um, but, but you just don't know the mindset of the offense because you understand if you go up by fourteen with with two minutes left, you should have the game won anyways, right? So I you know I just mm, don't you know. Would think. Yeah, I don't know how NFL coaches look at this. Okay, but. Um, and we can second guess now, but um, I have a hard time blaming Nick Chubb for scoring <laughs> with two minutes no. left. Um, you know, he's got an opening. Um, he's. Um, I have a problem with, with anybody who called him selfish um, because Nick, if, if anybody thinks Nick Chubb is selfish, um, they must not be a Browns fan. Yeah. Okay, they just must not know who Nick Chubb is. Okay, because that's the last person in the entire world that would put himself before the team. Um, Agreed. So, yeah, so so you've got that, and um, I, I guess um, well, let's talk about let's talk about the Nick Chubb thing because I had a specific request from from uh, from uh, Matthew Lubbock to talk about the Nick Chubb thing, and I think I'm assuming you guys are on the same page with me, but. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to not give you a chance to talk about it because um, he just said, uh, please address the Chubb third touchdown and the controversy over kneeling and the, and the coaching in the last minute and a half. Um, so I guess it's not only should he have scored or not, it's should the coaches have told him not to score. Um, my understanding is the coaches told Kareem after the first time he went out of bounds not to go out of bounds again, but he still went out the second time. Um, <laughs> these guys are still, you know, it, it's the whole thing. And we'll, and we'll talk about Joe Woods too, but it's uh, when people were on me about the Joe Woods thing, when I said, you know, I don't, I can't see firing him two games into the season. Um, Joe Woods is not out there playing DB. Okay, that doesn't mean he's he's uh, you know free of any blame here, but but he's not the one blowing coverages. Um, the coaching staff was not the one who ran out of bounds when Kareem did the second time. Um, you know, it, there's there's responsibility all around here. So I guess where mm-hmm. do you guys stand on what what should the coaches have done? What should Nick have done on that play? And Tim, we'll let you go first. Um, there's a lot of times when I've seen many teams in the NFL, in particular the Browns, we get the ball and we have to just get a first down or two in order to ice the game. And I often thought that we were very conservative in the play calling at times like that. And so many times we go three and out. And then that team gets the ball back yeah. and a chance for a last-minute drive or something like that. So yeah. while it was happening... I really appreciated that we were playing like we were still trying to score instead of just run the timeout. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling good about that. I, it yeah. didn't even bother me completely when Kareem ran out of bounds the second time. I mean, I was thinking about it, and I sure wish he would have stayed in. But at the time, I thought, he's playing like this is still the first quarter. He's trying yeah. to score, and, and they were playing hard like that. And I thought the same thing when Chubb went around that corner. He saw daylight, and instinctually he's got to get to the end zone so when it happened I thought it was good and I felt like yeah we're pounding it in and we're just going to bury them when we had the chance and I felt really good about it and it stayed that way until I watched that first receiver from the Jets I can't remember his name run right by Ward and get that first touchdown to make it a one touchdown game then I started feeling really nervous yeah right yeah I couldn't agree more Tim um you know, you want that killer instinct late in the game. And and the difference is, I mean, if if you're trying to go up one score late in the game like that, you want to kill clock knowing that you want to shorten down their time of possession to be able to come back and, and tie or win, right? Yeah. That was to go up two scores, two two touchdowns, okay? Totally different situation. You know, if, if you can... Right. If you can score and go up two touchdowns 
and bring your defense back out on the field to, to just close out the last few minutes. Tim mentioned it earlier. You've got almost a 100% probability in the NFL of winning. So anybody with any brains doesn't make that argument, okay, that, that you know, Nick Chubb needed to kneel down. That is, that is completely based on hindsight. In the yeah. moment, you're okay. trying to score and go up two touchdowns, okay? The other half of that is, is this offense doesn't have the luxury, to Tim's point, of pussyfooting around Okay, and just trying to get first downs and, and killing clock. Okay, they're not they're not at that level. Okay, they're they're <laughs> they're going to get bit as we saw many times in the past. Okay, and and if you try to run the ball up the middle, okay, as opposed to you know trying to keep cream from going out of bounds. Okay, you get dropped for a loss, and next thing you know, you're punting and you're only up one score. Okay, so we don't have that luxury at this point, okay, of of playing it that way. So, you know, the Monday morning quarterbacks just need to sit down. The the, the offense did exactly what they were supposed to do there. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I don't think it's on. I don't think it's on either of those guys. Looking back, even at at Kareem going out of bounds, um, you know, it's 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 great if he doesn't. But he's, he's being Kareem. You know, he, he just like like Tim said, that's just how he plays. Um, he's jumping over guys. He's never stopping. Um, if he goes out of bounds, he goes out of bounds. It's just how he plays. So, so yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Yep. Um, and then, and then I could let Tim describe the next play where um, where uh, first first freaking play of the Jets' uh, possession, right? Uh, first play. As, uh, what, First 75, scrimmage. Yep. 75 yards, right? It, it changed the whole game. That one play. Everything Plus changed. Right there. We, we don't yeah. allow that play, then they probably don't even score the first time, and the clock runs out, and the game's over. But not only did that give them, it, it gave them hope. <laughs> that be, and then when you throw in the yeah. missed extra point. Yeah, missed, I skipped the missed extra point. That um, that only added more pressure on us now because now it's a six point game. So the pressure intensified so much, even right on that onside kick, and oh, all the dominoes just fell away from us. Yeah, I mean the the busted right. coverage is uh, was um, Denzel saying he was covering the flat, and uh, Grant Delpit was supposed to pick up the receiver, but. Um, Denzel saying it wasn't me, but I'm not going to point fingers to anybody. Um, pretty much, I think, is what he said, even though he's pointing right at Grant Delpit. Um, do you guys, is this a problem with the players just not doing their job? Or is this a problem with um, the, I've seen people say that Joe Wood's scheme is just too hard for these guys to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Rod, do you have snap counts again this week like you did last week? Um, did, did Grant help it no, play I every don't. single snap again? I, I don't have those in front of me. Okay. No. I, I don't either, but I'm assuming that he, he played very close to he, he not did. every single snap again, yeah, just like last guess. week. Yeah. Um, I guess the, 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 the kindest way that I can put this right now is Grant Delpit is figuring things out on the fly, and we're living and dying with Grant Delpit as our free safety right now. Okay, this team does not have a true free safety. Um, Until Grant Delpit figures out how to play the position, um, we're going to have these kinds of breakdowns. And just watching him play the entire game, it was painfully obvious that he's the guy that's not where he's supposed to be. Um, Denzel Ward does not let a guy run past him unless he thinks he has help. Okay. Right. That's just not who Denzel Ward is. He doesn't let a guy run past him unless he thinks he has help. Right. Okay. So, so, you know, we had these same kind of issues early last year and Joe Wood simplified it supposedly. Right. Um, I don't know the, how complicated it is, but yeah, we don't have any way to know whatever that. he can do, 
whatever he can do to put our best cover guys back in man coverage and, and take the responsibility away from our weakest links. Mm-hmm. That's what I think they need to do to address the problem. And it's gonna be interesting to see Thursday night, how they approach deep coverage. Um, knowing this, this has happened two games in a row. Yeah. Your, your thoughts, Tim, I mean, you saw it, you saw the play. And you saw Grant Delpit play probably the whole game. Yeah, I, I like what you said right at the end there, Jeff. I want to see man-to-man. I want to see tight man-to-man. That's what I want to see personally. These guys are world-class class athletes. There's no reason why we got to sit back and zone. And while I really want to believe you, and I do believe you, of course, but I want to believe that Denzel wouldn't let somebody go by unless he thought there was help. But I need more from Denzel. I don't even care if that's what the call is. I need more from Denzel. You cannot just let a guy run by you. I think actually Hanford Dixon said it yesterday on his and Bernie's show that you just can't let a guy run by you like that. It looked to me like Denzel noticed that Del Pitt was out of position and just said, oops, we lost him. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Jets guy. He looked like he just gave up on the play. I, I really believe you that he didn't give up. There was a design. Delpit was supposed to be back there. But I, I need Denzel to be more of a leader. I need him to speak a little more like Nick Chubb in the press conferences and, and take more of a leadership role. He should have been back there saying that it was his fault, even if it wasn't, just to protect Delpit. Because Denzel is a senior guy now, even though he's still pretty young, but he's being paid like a senior guy. So I personally, I need a lot more out of uh, Denzel Ward. And I think he's capable of it. But let's put these guys on man-to-man. We got a bunch of young cornerbacks that are all high draft picks out there. They should be able to run with any of the, at least the majority of the receivers in the league. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with you. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that. You know, Rod, um, the, the thing that, that I was asking myself the last couple of days is, you know, if, if we're two weeks in, and we're having these kinds of communication breakdowns and guys don't really know where they are or where they're supposed to be. Why do we go through OTAs, um, five weeks of training camp, three weeks of preseason games? Why do we do all this if the first two weeks of the season guys aren't ready? Isn't that the whole point? And, 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 you know, spending all that time getting everybody on the same page, shouldn't we come out in the first game and know where we're supposed to be? It, it's a great question, but you know these guys are not all playing together in the preseason games. It's a very limited well, there you go. number of snaps. There okay. you go. They sit all preseason, right? Yeah, they sit all preseason. And even in, even in practice, I mean, practices are limited and stuff too. So apparently it's not enough for these guys to get it all together. That's all I can take out of it, is that it's not enough for them to to figure out how to work together or for them to, or for every one of them to learn the playbook entirely, um, you know, on the field. Um, the other thing that, that really concerns me about this is, you know, two, two weeks in and we're having a players-only meeting because guys are starting to, to backbite each other. Okay, what what was the the number one downfall of our season last year? It was guys backbiting each other. You know, the the OBJ deal. Okay, the guys not liking each other, guys not being on the same page, guys pointing fingers. Okay, Um, I hope that team meeting was for the specific purpose of nipping that right in the bud, because you can't run another season like that. No, I and I, yeah, and I, I hope, like Tim said, I hope I hope Denzel kind of got called out for that, um, for for kind of putting uh, for kind of putting um, you know his teammate out, you know, out to, leaving him out to dry like that. Delp it. Um, I I think yeah. there's times when you gotta when you gotta. Um, step up and be a leader like you said even if it's not his fault so um i think they should all watch uh nick chubb or even uh jok 
spoke very eloquently, you know, when uh, he was asked about the booing. And, mm-hmm. you know, he said, hey, the fans got there, right? He said he's a tough love kind of guy. But regardless if he really is a tough love kind of guy or not, it was a correct response. And it doesn't fuel any fire. It tries to calm things down. And it's certainly not throwing anybody else under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we can move on. Um, talk about the uh, about the onside kick. <laughs> We're not done yet. Um, the the onside oh, kick. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. More pain at this point. Yeah, I mean, there, there's more pain. I'm going to quit after the outside kick because the, the last drive was just, I mean, didn't you guys, I mean, it almost felt like it was over when they recovered that onside kick. Oh, uh, yeah, it was a foregone like conclusion at that point. Yeah, it was, it was almost was up. <laughs> just like, well, I mean, yeah. it, from what I saw, I looked up and the stat that I saw was that uh, based on the 2021 season, there's a 4% probability of recovering an onside kick. And so that mm-hmm. that kick was probably against the Browns also. Um, I have no idea. But <laughs> why, why are like teams a Browns able, fan. Yeah, why, why are teams able to recover onside kicks against us? But it, it's like it never happens in any other game. Um, well, there's anyway. there's no reason on earth why that onside kick should have should have worked. Um, they took a timeout. The Browns went out, looked at what the Jets were going to do, took a timeout, talked it over on the sideline, and then still didn't fall on the ball. I mean, come on, that that's the that's the simplest thing in the world. Just fall on the ball instead of yeah. you know. And and I hate to 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 call out Amari Cooper because he had a great game. Okay, but he's standing there trying to reach down and scoop up the ball, fall on the damn ball. And I mean, I damn saw it. him trying to knock the ball out of bounds, and I also saw a still of of uh, JOK like three steps beyond the ball, like he ran right past it. Yeah, when he when he should have been back trying to get that ball too, and it almost looked to me like it should have been JOK's ball. So. You know, it, I, I really don't care whose fault it was. Um, I mean, one of the hands came out there for a reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And those guys that. are all taught to fall on the ball. Yeah, it was my one disappointment with Amari for the whole day. I thought he, he was really lax. And just like you said, Jeff, he just falls on the ball. The game's over. It looked to me almost like JOK was not even thinking about the ball, but trying to block the guy coming towards the ball. Yeah, exactly. He went, he went past it, the ball. Yeah, JOK didn't even try to touch it. It was a bizarre yep. move, I thought. Yep. So, I mean, however you want to do it. I mean, the, those two guys who are two guys who were probably, I mean, along with Nick Chubb and, and Brissett, your, your best performers in the game. Right. Uh, because yep. uh, my understanding is JOK had um, a, a really high, you know, he graded really highly in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and of course, Amari Cooper did very well. And then led the team in tackles, forced a fumble. Yep. Just had yeah. had a great game. But and, you know, one the, mental the outside, lapse. The outside kick goes to the two of them and they couldn't get it done. Right. So so that's it. Okay. Enough. At this point, you know what? This game, like I said, just has to go into the okay, we should have won it. We lost it. Chalk it up and learn from it and move on. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Browns have a quick turnaround and they play Thursday. And of course it's got to be the Steelers. Um, <laughs> the Browns have, have to face the Steelers coming off of just, just a debacle like this, where they're trying to get their feet back on the ground. Right. Um, seems like it happens quite often, but um, well, if it's any consolation, you know, this year I probably feel better about playing the Steelers than I have at any point in time in recent memory. So there's a good chance that the Steelers are going to do some things to embarrass themselves too. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be able to sneak out a win. Steelers got beat by a New England team that got crushed by who did New England get crushed by the first week. Somebody who I didn't think was very good. So uh, Miami. 
in Miami. Oh, it was well. I take that back. Miami's pretty good. <laughs> again, apparently. Yeah, Miami's looking pretty good. Yeah, they're looking pretty good now. So, um, so yeah, they they got crushed by Miami, and then they come in and beat Steelers, and they control the clock, and mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. Um, we'll see because uh, Steelers fans don't like their pretty much anybody on that coaching staff right now. Um, <laughs> JJ Watts out. Steelers fans want a different quarterback in and, and all this. So they're all pissed off. Um, just like right. half the, most of the Browns fans are. Um, yeah. So Watts out, Clowney's out. Um, I don't know. Um, Tim, what, what are your thoughts on this game? How, how are you feeling going into this game? I always get nervous playing the Steelers, no matter what the records are, no matter who's playing. I always get nervous playing Pittsburgh. Um, that being said, I'm actually happy that it's Thursday. I think, I, frankly, by Monday afternoon, I was thinking about the Steelers game and not about the Jets loss because yeah. we only have a couple <laughs> days. So I thought that was a good week for it, given how Sunday ended up. Right. Um, we should be able to take the game. We should be able to get it. I, I'm not going to be overconfident just because – too many things have not gone our way, but there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to beat Pittsburgh right now. Jeff, what, what, how are you feeling? Absolutely. I mean, the, the Steelers are as weak as the Steelers organization has been in decades. We, we have every opportunity at home to, to mop the floor with the Steelers, which means we probably won't but <laughs> <laughs> which means we're open for a three you got win. You, you gotta you gotta just figure out how to win this game yeah let's let's just go take this game like we were driving it with two minutes left there like we were trying to win yeah. even though we could have just settled on it i hope they play hard like that the whole time because we have to take it we can still after everything that happened a week game in week one where we let carolina come back in and that the collapse last weekend, and we could still be in first place by Friday morning. So I, I hope yep. the guys are thinking that. I hope they wiped out Sunday out of their memories by now. Let's move forward and get Pittsburgh. Guys, the, the only way you beat the Steelers, because the Steelers, I mean, you guys have seen the commercial with the housewives in this in the uniforms um, on TV with the uh, real housewives mm-hmm. where they do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh could literally put the real housewives out there in, in Pittsburgh uniforms and, and intimidate and beat the Browns half the time. So um, what, what where I'm getting to is the only way the Browns beat the Steelers is by going out there with their foot on the gas from the get-go and never letting off. Yeah. You know, they can't let those guys get in their head or shove them around or anything like that, because that's exactly what the Steelers try to do, because it's it's all it's the Steelers mystique thing, okay? That's, we're tougher than you. Um, we're going to beat you in your house and all this stuff, and they, they try, try to out-tough you. Well, if you go out there and smack them around a little bit and just turn it into a football game, the Browns have more talent, and they should be able to win this game. So that's what has to happen. So... That's my thing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so just just a few more thoughts. Um, Jeff, do you do you? How do you expect this game to unfold? Do you do you expect this to be? Um, and we'll get into score score predictions and spreads and all that stuff, but. Yeah. Do you expect this to be kind of a clean game where, you know, both teams score a couple of touchdowns or we're going up and down the field? Or do you expect this to be the typical ugly Cleveland-Pittsburgh game where, you know, um, where it comes down to the field goals and, and penalties and all this crap? Uh, well, yeah, again, the, you know, the Steelers are not the normal Steelers. They're giving up over 400 yards of offense per game um, and a couple of turnovers. So um, the opportunities are going to be there for us. And no, I expect it to probably be an ugly game. Um, Probably a lot of fights, um, you know, in the stands and on the field. 
Um, <laughs> but no matter Probably. what, we just need to win, you know, and whatever it takes, we just got to win. And we're going to have, you know, we're going to see a lot of the, the rookies um, on the defensive line. Um, our defense needs to figure something out, but ultimately we're just going to need to outscore them. And I, I think why not playing um, and, and looking at what they've done so far, we should be able to outscore them. At least I feel good about our offense's ability to put points up. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Tim? Yeah, I, I think so, too. I was thinking our offense needs to uh, put up another 30 points, and I think we should. I was kind of thinking somewhere in the range of, like, you know, 31-21. I don't think we shouldn't give up three scores to Pittsburgh, but it is the NFL, and most of the time these uh, matchups with the Steelers are close ball games. So but we should be able to put up 30 points. We really should, yeah. even if we're just running the ball. We could, you know, ground control it. And uh, and Jacoby's looked really good. I, I really think Jacoby's looked good. I'm confident with him. So there's no reason we shouldn't put up 30 against Pittsburgh. Yeah, he has looked good. And um, I, say what you want about J.J. Watt. He's pretty much a one-man wrecking crew against the Browns. So um, that's, yeah. you know, it's yeah. pretty yeah. fortunate that he's not Pittsburgh. in. Um, we helped, helped him. Uh, tremendously to get that sack record that Miles will hopefully break one day um, <laughs> last year. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyways, uh, so uh, Tim, Tim kind of tipped his, tipped his hand there already. Um, but in this game, the Browns are a five-point favorite, and the over-under is, uh, is 38.5. Keeps uh, dropping. Yeah, is it going down? It keeps dropping. That, that's yeah. where it two, opened. Two weeks in a row we've had the over, and it keeps dropping. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's where it opened. I'm assuming that's where it still is. So, so yeah. Um, so, Tim, for your score prediction, do you want to stick with the, the number you threw out just a couple minutes ago? Yeah, 31-21. 31-21. So, that is, Tim is taking the over. By quite a bit. Yep. And let's let's get this out of the way. Last last week, um, we all picked the Browns to win, of course, which they should have. Um, <laughs> this will this will make you guys feel bad, but our guest um, Brian Mosser picked the Browns to win. Remember what his score was, Jeff? 30 to 14. 30 to 14. The Browns were ahead 30 to 17 with two minutes left. Wow. Yep. Um, he was right Ryan, there. He was, he was the closest because um, Jeff and I had the Browns given up less than 14, and we were both right around 30 points. So. so, so Tim, you have a pretty good shot at winning this thing as a guest. Um, <laughs> I wish I could say there's a large Happy. prize for it, but it's pretty much bragging right. So. <laughs> if I was the guest last week, I probably would have been with you and Jeff because before the game this past Sunday, I I talked with somebody in the Muni lot and I said uh, I, I'm thinking that Cleveland's going to blow them out. I was figuring it was going to be a three three touchdown spread at least. So I think I was probably was thinking like thirty to seven or something along those lines. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um. So I Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So Jeff, what what do you have for this game? I'm I'm just looking at trends, Rod. I mean, the first game um, was was 50 points. Um, this last game was 61 total points scored. Um, that's that seems to be where we're headed. So I'm going big on this one. Uh, you know, I got burned on the under twice. So um, I'm going to take the over this time by a lot, and I'm going to say the Browns are going to win it 38 to 30. 38 to 30. You don't have a uh, weather forecast for Thursday, do you, Bill? Before I throw my number out, um, it's going to be <laughs> gonna it's going to be cooler, but it's supposed to be dry. I just, I don't know, guys. I just I feel like like there should be a ton of points scored. I just these Steeler games are always so damn ugly, and something always happens. Um. I'm picking the Browns, but I'm picking the Browns um, 17-14. I'm going, I'm going under by a lot. So, okay. I I just have a feeling that 
the defense is going to defenses are going to step up in this game. Um, and you know what? As long as Browns win, I really don't care. But <laughs> I'll second that. Yeah. Um, well, the good news, Rod, is is that you know the first two games, you and I were real close with our predictions. So this time, you know, one of us is going to be wrong, and one of us is going to be right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right there. Yeah. I, well, I thought I should. Yeah, I thought I should go a different direction, anyways. But I, I really was thinking low, anyhow. So, so we'll see what happens. Um, let's hope we're all right with the winning team, anyways. Let's hope. Uh, wins all that matters. That's right. Yeah. So, so Tim, I we kind of uh, talked about this a little bit, but you you were at the game on Sunday and you had some experiences. I don't want to. I don't want to close out before you get to tell a story or two. I know you had some some things you wanted to share uh, before we sign off. Well, uh, you know, the, the biggest takeaway is that um, even with the loss, I'm sure I wasn't the only one, but my son and I were at the game. And uh, it's been a few years with the pandemic and everything. So we were really enjoying the game. We had a lot of fun just uh, mingling in the beginning. Uh, we ended up parking in the airport lot, which, wow, it's crazy. How many people are down there? It's so tight trying to get in and out of all them parking spots and drive through the the lot itself. So that's an experience in and of itself. Um, We finally got a spot and we decided we were going to venture over into the craziness that is the Muni lot. And we went there and I guess the description that kept coming to my mind is like being on the floor at a concert. It is practically shoulder to shoulder walking through all that. There was DJ set up everywhere, speakers, the music's really loud, and you kind of had to almost walk sideways to get through the crowd. And you certainly, your shoulders were touching somebody else's shoulder as you were going through. So that was pretty wild. Um, we were looking for somebody in particular. Uh, my son and I watch a, a show every week that Barstool Sports does, and it's called The Dozen Trivia. And they do a trivia show every week with teams of these employees from Barstool. And um, we were looking for the host from that show said he was going to be there. At least he had tweeted out the day before. So my son and I watched that and we kind of have a friendly little competition with us while we're watching the show each week. And it's it's a lot of fun. Long story short, we ended up finding the guy and uh, he ended up coming down, taking a picture with us and chatting with us for a while. And it was really a great start to the day. And um, then we went over to the stadium. We were sitting, um, I got tickets from a season ticket holder who is a Browns fan from up north of Toronto. And uh, a real nice guy. And he had seats in the 300 section just above the dog pound. So we got into the stadium. And frankly, that little section right there, since it doesn't have the 500 level, it kind of felt like we had the concourse to ourselves for the first hour that we were there, which was pretty cool and rare, I think, when you have 60, 70,000 people in the stadium. And um, so we enjoyed just just being out there and watching the warm-ups. Saw Cade York hit one from about 58 that looked like it had a solid 10 yards more on it. And that was just cool to watch. And um, the experience alone, and then even with the disappointing loss, uh, I'm driving home with my son. I got to spend the whole day with my son. We have the memories. And uh, it was still a great day. I guess that's my summation of the whole thing, that even with that big loss, it was, I mean, what father and son hanging out all day there really can't be a bad ending. And that's all. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So, uh, so th- thanks for sharing that with us. And um, thanks for, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast and, and talking some Browns and, and everything. And is, is there anything you would like to leave the listeners with, Tim? Um, stay positive and go Browns. Sounds good to me. Uh, Jeff, any closing thoughts? I just want to real quickly mention something that was in the news today. Um, during the game, or I guess it was as as the game was ending, uh, when Jimmy Haslam was all walking off the field, a fan decided to throw a bottle at him and hit him. Yeah. Um, and so that fan has now been uh, banned from the stadium, and uh, rightfully so, and will be prosecuted. Um, I just want to point out that that this is still a game. This you know this is this is a, a an entertainment venue. Um, this is not life and death. Um, losing one game 
in the grand scheme of things, yeah, sure, it's going to come back to bite us later. Okay, and, and fans have a right to be upset about how ugly the last two minutes were. But let's ratchet the, the anger down a little bit. You know, I mean, I know I got kind of worked up tonight a couple of times, right? Um, because you hate to see bad things happen to the team that you love. Mm-hmm. But we're too close to, to, to the tipping point when we start throwing bottles at people. And let's just all dial it down and have, have fun at the game. Well said. Excellent point, John. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.